Today's show is brought to you by Lightning Pod. If you have a podcast, you know that it's a lot of work. But Lightning Pod can help. We've been working with their founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year now, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. So if you're starting a new podcast or you want to make your existing podcast better, you should get in touch with Eric. Learn more at lightningpod.fm. Hey, everyone. It's Adam. I'm really excited today to share with you a deep dive on a product that my team has been working on for over a year with our partner, Wayne Water. We're joined by Tom Flippin, an engineer from Wayne, to talk about the Basement Guardian Halo product, which our teams collaborated on, and all the work that went into building a better sump pump. I hope you enjoy our chat and maybe even learn a thing or two about sump pumps and all that goes into keeping basements dry. Hey everyone, I'm Richard Gunther from the Digital Media Zone. I am joined as usual by my co-host Adam Justice from ConnectSense. Hey Adam. Hey Richard, good to hear you and see you. It's been a while. Yeah. It's been a while. It's a It's been a crazy summer, it's been a crazy year for both of us, but we're back and this time we are joined on this episode by Tom Flippin, the Senior Product Engineer in Charge of Connected Products at Wayne Water. Tom, thanks for joining us. Happy to be here. We're very excited to have you here. We're going to be talking about a project that you and Adam's company worked on together. I was going to say, uh, Tom's actually one of the reasons I've been busy. (laughs) (laughs) It's Tom's fault. (laughs) Amongst other people. So we like to open the, the show with a question for each other. So I have a question for Richard today, which was, as we record this, uh, there was just an Apple keynote earlier in the week, and things went on sale today. Richard, did you buy any new Apple hardware after the latest announcements? I did. I did. I didn't think there was going to be an iPhone mini, and I was so excited that there was a new iPhone mini that I did, in fact, buy the update. That is the perfect size phone for me. So I'm very happy about that. And I also last... When, when when was the announcement? Tuesday? Tuesday. Last Tuesday, ordered the iPad Mini as soon as it was available. That is one of my favorite products, and they haven't given it a decent update in years. Yeah, uh, that was probably one of the more exciting things they announced of the whole the whole event. So you're just all things Mini for Richard. Absolutely. How about you? Are you a a, a Mini thing? Lover? Quite the opposite. <laughs> I'm a big boy phone guy. So uh, I do the iPhone upgrade program. I just, uh, after, I don't know, I don't remember when I started, maybe like iPhone 6-ish time frame, where I just started getting a new phone every year. I, I've kind of resigned to like, it's it's an important device in my life. And uh, being a tech guy, it's something I want to want to do. And then when Apple came out with their upgrade program, it just made that process a lot easier. You never really own a phone, you're more leasing it. But at least the last couple years, they made the process of ordering a new device a lot easier that way. Um, so I do it halfway for that reason. But uh, so yeah, I ordered a new 13 Pro Max this morning. And uh, despite a little bit of issues because they were having Apple card outages, I was very frustrated. Like of all the things you're going to have a problem with, like you're going to mess with your most loyal customers. 
<laughs> yeah. Get your act together, Apple. Um, but I was able to uh, get a reservation in to pick up at my local store. We've got a store about a mile from my house. So I'm very spoiled. Uh, I just get to go down there on next Friday morning and pick up my phone. Nice. Nice. Tom, are you an Apple guy? Are you excited about any of the new stuff? Did you get anything? Uh, I didn't get anything, but I'm I'm definitely an Apple guy. I've got the AirPods, the phone, uh, the watch. Um, I was kind of disappointed with the watch. Everyone was there were rumors going around about a, a squared bezel. Um, I've been rocking the Series Three for four years now, and uh, I'm I'm desperate for an upgrade at this point. So I might have to pull the trigger on the Seven. Well, hey, I mean, you can still buy a new Series Three if you want one for some reason. I don't need a new Series 3. <laughs> I don't know what that's about. I, I'm disappointed in that, that there is no watch yet. And uh, that, that whole situation seems very strange with the the rumors around the flat-sided design and then them shipping something else. And some of the stats, I guess, on the webpage say, like, uh, tested on a pro, you know, pre-release model or something. So it seems like there's more story behind there. That's something they're not saying there's not a release date, so it almost seems like they had to do a fallback plan because they were having manufacturing issues or something. So that being said, I will definitely buy a Series 7 as well. My Series 5 is badly in need of uh, a battery, so I think that rather than get the battery replaced in that, which is a whole process, um, I'll just upgrade to the Series 5 or Series 7. All right. Well, if you want to submit a question for us to open the show, you can send us questions with the hashtag Ask Adam and Richard. All right. So we wanted to talk today about a product that Tom and I have been working on. Uh, when this uh, shipped in August uh, last month, you know, Richard and I were talking about it briefly and he, he said, you know, I had no idea you guys were working on this and this is a really cool product and things like that. So um, that led to some discussion and uh, us bringing Tom on the show. So um, I wanted to talk a little bit about kind of how we got here. You know, our company has been in this space for a while, and we've actually been working with Wayne Water for a while. We actually started talking with folks at the company before Tom worked there in 2016. Uh, we started work with them in 2017 on a product that's called the Basement Guardian Gemini. Um, this is a like super high-end dual sump pump AC DC backup system, you know, what you would buy if you're finishing your basement and you want to make sure you never get a ruined basement or if you had an issue and you never want it to happen again. It's a good product. I'm happy with what we shipped there, but part of the constraints we had to deal with was when we were brought in in 2017 to start working on it, the product was done and the box we built is essentially like an add-on that is like listening and has very simple control of it. So we were not in from the ground floor and somewhat limited in what we could do there. I would say, you know, we continue to move our capabilities forward with every product we ship and, and things like that. So this represents where, you know, Grid Connect and ConnectSense were in 2017. So we shipped that product in late 2017. I think, Tom, you started about a year later at 2018, I think you said. 
Yep. September 2018. Got to inherit, you know, all the fun stuff that we did. And so, you know, there had been talk for a while about sort of what's next. And we really started talking about smart AC pumps in early 2020. So I guess worth clarifying for those who don't have intimate knowledge of some pumps, you know, some parts of the country, they don't have basements, so you would have no reason to. So essentially falls into two camps. You have a, a standard 110 AC sump pump that is like your primary system. And in a basement, you get groundwater that seeps into the house, usually through a pit. And uh, that pump is responsible for keeping that water out of out of the uh, house. Is that more or less a good explanation, Tom? Yeah, that was a great explanation. Yeah, you're just rather than trying to fight hydrostatic force, allowing water to get into your basement, you're allowing the water to enter the basement into a pit. And then um, that sump pump is going to evacuate the water away from the foundation of your home. Yeah, that's a, you know, higher volume product that Wayne sells. And, and we thought a, a good opportunity for some smart technology in June 2020, which we're going to dig into further uh, later here, we started talking to customers of the previous product um, to learn about what they wanted and, and why they bought um, the Gemini product and then uh, kicked off the project about a year ago, September of 2020, and then, uh, uh, of course, shipped that product um, last month. So I think the first thing to talk about with Tom is from your perspective at Wayne, like, why do some pumps need to be smart? Great question, Adam. They're in your basement. They're usually in a sealed pit. And, and people don't know what's going on underneath that lid. Where most sump pumps, uh, you know, they've failed when you've had a, when you have a flooded basement. That's exactly why we wanted to put some smart intelligence into this product. We want to focus on early detection, giving you a heads up, a warning as soon as we detect the issue with your, uh, sump pump so you can be proactive and act to protect your, to protect your home. Yeah. I mean, I think something that's stuck out for me in our work with Wayne is, you know, this is a product that will fail, like time, physics, you know, all kinds of things. There are a number of reasons why eventually it will fail. And, you know, in some cases, people will take a perfectly good sump pump out of their pit and replace it because they don't know. There's like, I, I want to get ahead of this, so I'm just going to do that. And you know, more or less are, are wasting money. But we have some technology here, which we'll talk about later, that should help mitigate that and make sure that people know well in advance, or even if there's just like a common issue, what's going on with the pump. So our partnership with Wayne really was us bringing our knowledge of networking and connected products and power and stuff around, um, you know, power technologies and monitoring power to the table. Tom, do you want to talk a little bit about kind of what, what Wayne brought to the table and how, you know, we work together, you know, with your guys' pump expertise and some of the things you guys, you know, were looking at from an engineering perspective? So Wayne Engineering, we, we focus on innovation. We focus on high quality products. We, we're not going to, as our VP of engineering says, we're not going to compete with the competition on cost in a way that's a race to the bottom. So we want to be the, 
the innovation leaders in the industry, focusing on on specifically Halo. One of the cool things that we do and only Wayne does is uh, we have the innovative air switch. No other pump on the market uses an air switch. Um, and it's basically the mechanism that turns the pump on and off. Uh, you'll see a lot of the competition uses like a float switch or a tether switch. And those are mechanical components. They are going to fail at one, at some point. We use the solid state air switch to get really high cycle counts and, and prevent that, that premature failure that a lot of our competition, uh, suffers from. Yeah. I think that's a key, you know, to what you're talking about. Something will fail in, in the competition that, that switch mechanism we know is one of the first things to go. And so you have a, a perfectly good pump that doesn't know when to pump and then your basement floods. So definitely innovative air switch and a, a good example where the air switch was on the original product we worked on and we were able to carry that technology forward and uh, even advance it with, with this new product. So let's pretend for a minute that I don't have a clue what an air switch is. I can't even envision something in my head. How would you describe what an air switch is and how that's different from what most people might think of as some mechanical switch? Yeah, that's a great question, Richard. So imagine you're in a pool and you've got a cup in your hand and the cup, you're holding it upside down and you're pushing it into the water. As you push it deeper underwater, it's, it's going to want to bounce back up to the surface. Well, that's because there's pressure building inside of that cup. We are relying on that pressure to turn the pump on and off. So we've got this air switch and we've got an air hose that's running out of it that's going into our uh, uh, controller for Halo. A calculation is being done at that process where it's trying to equate the pressure it's reading to some level of water, inches of water in your pit. So it's, it's, it's a solid state switching mechanism that's turning it on and off rather than a float switch, which is pretty much it's just a, uh, some sort of, uh, uh, a float ball that just moves up and down as, um, the, the, the buoyancy above water raises it to turn a switch on and off. Not unlike like a toilet tank kind of float sort of thing. I mean, different, right. but yeah, more right. or less you're measuring the height of the water. And when the water gets high, it tells the pump to turn on. So um, the the float switch method is how it's been done for, I don't know how many years you would say, you know, ever since some pumps were around, it's like pretty archaic technology. Right. But you're using a different aspect of the physics where instead of floating, there would be pressure in that confined space and you're measuring that pressure and that's really cool that's exactly it so yeah one of the pieces of data we provide to customers is the water level in their pit and using that that air pressure with the air switch so it actually provides a better connected product because i don't know that there would be a good digital way to measure a traditional float switch other than just is it on is the pump running or not so with this, we can actually get much more precise water level. The other thing that was really pretty different about our process with this, we're pretty big believers at Grid Connect in uh, what's called jobs to be done. The, I don't know, two minute version of jobs to be done. It was a concept originally popularized by Harvard professor Clayton Christensen, 
the most famous study of this was called the milkshake problem, which was he was studying why customers were buying milkshakes in the morning. And when they started digging in and interviewing customers, they actually found that these people all had um, long commutes and they were bored on their commute. They needed something that would keep them full and give them something to do in the car. And then with that information, armed with that information, they actually went back with, I got to imagine it's like Burger King or McDonald's and designed a new product to meet those same needs and which was like a smoothie offering or whatever. And they sold, you know, insane amounts because not only did it meet the needs of what people were actually hiring that drink to do, but it did it even better and in a healthier way, et cetera, et cetera. So the general idea here is to actually dig in and talk to customers and understand the why behind um, why they purchase the product, how they use it, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So I mentioned in June of 2020, um, we dug in and did this myself and my colleague, Anthony, with the help of Tom and others at Wayne, we talked to, I think like 12 customers. So this is qualitative research, not quantitative research. And just started talking to people about their sump pumps and why they bought the ones they did, hearing their stories, digging in, being curious. And we learned a ton. And when we went back to Wayne and presented the data, we brought in three customer profiles, um, one of which they were very familiar with, two of which were pretty new to them. So we learned more or less that people who had had a flooded basement before are very interested in something like this. They want to be protected. People want to know what's going on. As Tom mentioned, like this product is often in the corner of a basement, in a sealed pit, maybe you don't go down there very often. You have no idea until, you know, that one day you go downstairs and the, there's an inch of water. So it's just kind of like an information black hole. It actually surprised us, like, how many people were actively looking at the app? Like, we, we you know, we thought, okay, we designed this thing. People are going to look at it every once in a while. Like, there were people that were opening this app every day. And we're like, that's interesting. And then, you know, the the other one is that, you know, shouldn't have surprised me, but people like Richard and I, when we go to buy a product like this, we search out one that is technically forward. You know, we're looking for Wi-Fi connected stuff and things like that. So we were able to learn a ton about what was important to people with the previous product and use that to really make some informed decisions about how we design this new product from the ground up. And the fact that we were working with Wayne from the beginning before anything was ever specced out, we were able to really, instead of have the technology be a bolt on, it was much more of a, like, how do we make this a core part of the product and the experience? That's really cool. So one question that I have from a, technology standpoint, and I imagine this is a lot of the expertise that you bring to the effort, Adam, is Wi-Fi is neither a friend of water nor sealed confined spaces. So did you have to do some special engineering or 
add some new antennas or something to to get beyond the basic properties of radio through obstructions? Yeah, I mean, I think actually on this product, the radio is actually a part of the cord housing. So all the major electronics sit in a box that is more or less on the cord, you know, about three quarters of the way up. And so it actually sits closer to the wall where you plug it in than it does to the pump. So absolutely, if we were talking something in the pit, it would be a radio nightmare. (laughs) Right, right. That's what I'm envisioning. I'm like, wait a minute. How would that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're out of the pit. I mean, I think being in the, you know, where this product is placed it certainly still has other challenges. You know, you're next to big cement walls. You're maybe on the fringes of your Wi-Fi network, things like that. Um, so, yeah, certainly from a support standpoint, you know, we're probably going to sell a few mesh routers along the way when we tell people it's probably not working. You need something to boost your signal here. But more or less being out of the pit solves that challenge. Very cool. Cool. Anything else that you wanted to discuss from a kind of technical perspective? Uh, I think after the break, we'll go in a little bit deeper on the product. But um, like, let's take a quick break for our sponsors, and then we'll we'll return to more smart home discussion and really dive in further. Everyone says that starting a podcast is easy, but let me tell you, making a podcast is hard work. That's where today's sponsor, Lightning Pod, comes in. If you have a podcast or you want to start one, then you should check them out. They can help you with every step of the podcast production process. We've been working with Lightning Pod founder Eric Johnson for more than a year, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. Eric currently helps us with editing and copywriting, but he's also available to help your podcast with recording, monetization, website design, and more. Learn more at lightningpod.fm. All experience levels are welcome. So whether you're a veteran podcaster or a total newbie, you should check them out. That's lightningpod.fm. All right. So before the break, we spent a good amount of time exploring how this came to be and a bit about the technology that you used, a little bit about the philosophy too. But I really want to dive more, Tom, into the just the, the goals and objectives of the product. Obviously, your product is intended to keep homes dry. That's what any sump pump would do. So, you know, talk a little bit about what you did and and what like what your approach was to offer, you know, the better mousetrap, the better sump pump. And this ties in directly with uh, Adam's research he did, the, the three jobs that need to be done. Um, the three different customer bases. So the first one was uh, those dealing with fear. These are the people that have you know extreme anxiety about what's going on in their basement. Is their sump pump going to turn on when it needs to turn on? You know, we 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 heard cases where people would actually set up a air mattress in their basement and sleep next to the pit just so <laughs> as soon as something happened they could react. And that that reaction is key. That's what Halo does. We we try to detect issues with the product. We try to uh, detect when you've got an issue with the motor, if it's going to turn on, if you've got issues with your discharge piping, if it's clogged, is it going to alert you that it's clogged? 
and that you need to react to that. The next one is going to be your data hounds. So these are the people that really want to get into the details of their product. They want next level analytics. So if, if you go into the app, we provide that data on pump activity for the day, the week, the month, the year. They can see spikes where their pump was cycling more often than usual, if it was running more often than usual. These are things that, that people want to see. And that's why we added that feature into the product. And then uh, the third customer base that we wanted to to focus on was the technology forward people, as you said, the, the Adams and Richards in the world. So the, the focus was having just a really premium app, a clean looking app, something that had incredible features that, that, that people like you guys demand in a product. Something that stood out for me that I was like, this guy is one of my people, one of our interviewees had put in a sump pump, I don't know, like a year before. But as soon as he heard about the Gemini product and that there was something Wi-Fi connected out there, he ripped a perfectly good sump pump out of out of the basement and put in the new hotness. So that one really informed that group of like, yeah, I mean, I've certainly taken, you know, perfectly good Wi-Fi routers out of my house because there was something better and faster out there, you know, I, I think I, I I identified well with that group. I think that's like the discussion we had about how many times have we upgraded our smart doorbells. But <laughs> yeah, so as you're building this sort of in, informative platform for your consumers, you mentioned the data hounds and the technology people, and and we and I'll lump us together for a moment are likely really going to want to get as much information as possible and know as much as we can. It's like me monitoring my generator exercise cycle every week to make sure that it's done everything it needs to do and that it's going to flip on when we need power if we don't have it. But all of that information, if it's not presented and delivered in a way that makes sense to consumers can be really confusing. I mean, even just some of the topics that we've talked about so far are sometimes really complex. You know, you talk about the, you know, something might be clogged. Well, what the heck could be clogged? What are you even talking about? Like, so how, how do you make that easy for consumers? Yeah, and I mean, the core technology here, too, um, one of the things that we brought together and worked with Wayne Engineering on is we're actually detecting leakage current on the pump. So this is leakage to ground, which I'll let Tom give you a better, deeper explanation, is the thing that would trip a circuit breaker or a, a GFCI. Um, when that gets high enough, it'll actually uh, trip the GFCI. We're actually detecting that at a much smaller level, and that is one of the indicators, amongst others, that shows that the pump is starting to die and how we provide an indication to the customer. But we would never talk to a customer about leakage current. We have to make it a much simpler experience. Yeah, so, I mean... Leakage current, the best example is, you know, you, you've got like an old, I don't know, a, a fridge, power drill, table saw. You go to turn it on and the lights in, in the house go dim slightly for a second when it starts up. 
you know that that that's a sign that a product is is on its last leg whether that's like you know the the insulation and the motors breaking down or maybe um some you know mechanical parts some seals have broken down and now water is uh intruding into the motor it's a way to detect a a compromised product so that's some joint ip that that uh grid connect and wayne have that that is detecting that that current leakage it's something that no one else in the industry uh does and it's a great way to to let you know hey your pump is approaching levels where it's going to trip a gfci and it's not going to turn on when you need it to turn on that's the last thing people want to see is when they get a flooded basement and they see that the GFCI has been tripped on their their pump. I mean, no no one wants to see that. And we want to give you that early detection that it's about to happen before it happens. Yeah. And I think one of the core things we settled on to make this easier for people to understand was this concept called pump health. So we present to the user a pump health score, which is, I don't remember all the specifics, but something from excellent to basically you need to replace your sump pump right now. And in the background of that, we're using a lot of complex stuff to figure out how to assign that pump health score. But in the case of like leakage current, that's where the pump health score goes to replace now. Got it. So leakage current is maybe one example of multiple things you're monitoring that then can translate either to that score or maybe even to just a regular status, operational status that you would somehow convey to the consumer. Right. One of the things we worked with Tom and the team at Wayne on was for everything that can go wrong, whether it's something on the level of replace your pump now or there's something you can do about it. We wanted to have simple, actionable messaging to the end user about what's going on and what do I need to do? So um, you can picture we have a very extensive spreadsheet of all these conditions and how it, it relates to things from the user. So I don't know, Tom, if you want to talk about some of those other, you know, you mentioned the pump getting clogged, but, you know, some of those other types of situations, maybe that aren't as critical, but somebody can do something about it. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously we're, we're looking at the pump. We're looking at the power signatures and make sure everything is operating correctly, that it's operating as it was designed to operate and, and nothing has aged or gone haywire. But we're also looking at the system that it's in, the power supply it's receiving. That could be a condition that leads to premature failure of a pump that that we would have no vision of. Whether it's you have uh, too high voltage, too low voltage, or even reverse polarity from your outlet. All those things can lead to premature failure of the product. Um, it's funny, the very first uh, production halo unit that went to someone's home was our VP of sales and he was calling us saying, hey, it's telling me it needs attention. I need to contact an electrician because I've got reverse polarity. And we said, yes, you 100% have reverse polarity. You need to get that fixed. He had a reverse polarity detector. And sure enough, it was reverse polarity. The last thing that we, we focus area that we look at um, for pump health is also the discharge that it's hooked up to. We want to know if there's something happening within your home 
that's preventing the product from operating. That's where we go into detecting a uh, obstruction in your discharge. Maybe um, it's winter and your discharge piping is frozen outside of your house. We can detect that immediately when it's trying to operate and give you that early warning of, hey, there's a situation. Your pump isn't able to do your job. This needs your attention immediately. Obviously, we're not going to spill all of the, you know, the beans of things we have planned here. But, you know, I think in general, you know, what's what's next for where we want to take this product and, and things like that, Tom? We want to focus on the customer. We want to get feedback from the customer. We we want them to guide us. I mean, they, they guided us with Halo. They are the reason that Halo came to existence. So we're going to launch this product. We're going to get some early feedback and let them guide us to uh, what products they need, jobs that they need done. Certainly, we've got a ton of really cool ideas, things we think the, the market demands. But I, I, I think we're going to have to to wait and see. Yeah. I mean, I think one thing I'm excited about is just to get a fleet of these out into the field. And, you know, we're collecting a whole boatload of data. So once we can really see more real world data, I think that will really drive both of our team's ability to understand what's going on and help, you know, make a better experience, you know, and then just use that to give better data to the to the consumer. And look at other ways we can bring outside data into the mix too to to provide insights and information to the customers so that you know especially those those data people give them the insights they're looking for and then you know we're always trying to keep our fingers on the pulse of other ways we can solve problems in the basement and and see what we can do there so yeah i think um you know, overall, I know the team at Grid Connect has been really excited about this. I mean, I think we talk about it a lot, but, you know, we truly feel like a, a partner to to the folks at Wayne. And um, it's been a, a pleasure to work side by side with them. And we're really excited about getting Halo out into the market and especially seeing where it goes. It's not core pump season right now, but you know, it's, it's been well received in the market so far. So we're excited to when, uh, when the rain starts coming in spring next year, how, uh, it really takes off. Yeah. I mean, people, people are excited about this product, Adam, the, the people we've shown it to, Adam, they love the Alexa aspect of the product. They, they, they call it their Alexa pump. They, they, they want the Alexa pump. Yeah. And I, I guess probably worth mentioning, you know, in addition to selling on Amazon and some other places under the Wayne brand, you know, maybe people don't know that Wayne also makes some pumps for Home Depot under the Rigid brand. So Halo is also being branded uh, for Rigid and, and that being an option as well. All right. So this is, I think, a very exciting product and it is a type of product that most people don't even think about unless they're renovating or they're having to, like you said, replace one that has gone bad. So I'm really curious, you know, looking back at everything that you've done and this new product out there, what kind of stories have you heard or what kind of feedback are you like? What, what, what has uh, been kind of exciting for you looking back at it all? I, I think for me, you know, the sump pump space, you know, if you would have told me back in 2016, I would have been like, you know, yeah, you know, what are we going to do that's exciting here or whatever. But talking to customers 
the way we did, I mean, really brought it home for me how important uh, some pump can be for people. And kind of like Tom was sharing, you know, the guy that literally brought his air mattress in the basement, like you don't think about a sump pump as something that helps you get better sleep. But for that person who could then like trust that things were covered, like they can sleep easy. So, you know, and other people that talked about how active your sump pump is really depends on all these complex stuff about the water table and things like that. One guy literally talked about like a river in dirt running next to his house that wasn't there previously during a heavy rainstorm actually in Maryland in your, in your neck of the woods. Wow. And so for some people, their pit is very active. And so giving people the insight into what is actually going on for somebody like that guy, they might need to replace their sump pump every year and a half. I mean, it's literally running that often and it's the one thing that stands between them and an unintentional swimming pool in their basement. So uh, that is what really drove it home to me of like, this is important and really helping to deliver that peace of mind for people that it wasn't something they had to worry about. That peace of mind is critical. Absolutely. It's huge. Very cool. Very cool. Well, this has been really interesting, and I really appreciate you joining us for this conversation, Tom. Before we go, we typically close with a question from one of our listeners. And this week, we have a question from Bob H. Bob asks, is there a non-Bluetooth outdoor motion sensor that can operate from negative 5 to 110 degrees Fahrenheit? So I'll give my answer real quickly. My, the first thing that I came to is the Ring smart lighting motion sensor. This is a really good motion sensor. I have mine at least 70 meters away from my Ring bridge, the Ring smart lighting bridge. That is one thing with this sensor. You have to use the Ring smart lighting bridge with this. So that is an additional expense, but this is a very, very good sensor. I've been very happy with mine so far. Adam, do you have a suggestion? I do, but I also may call into question yours, which is I'm not sure that that's not Bluetooth. I am more than sure that Bluetooth ain't going 70 meters through the house and everything. That's just... Uh, no. For some reason, I th- I thought that the, the ring lighting stuff was all Bluetooth based, but maybe not. So we'll, we'll stick with your, we'll stick with your recommendation. My other option is the, I don't have one of these or any experience with them, but the Hue outdoor sensor also meets Bob's temperature ratings. Although in a quick look at the product page, it had a quite a few poor reviews. So I would say, you know, do your research there. And uh, obviously the Hue stuff, obviously you would also need a Hue bridge. So if that's something you already have in your setup, then that might be an easy decision, something to try out. Same goes for Ring if you have their lighting stuff, easy addition and things like that. And I think it comes down to also what do you want to do and control with it. Uh, I'll throw a third option in the mix, which would be if you just want like lights to come on when there's motion, 
I'm really a big fan of the Ring Floodlight Cam. I have an older model of this as well as the new model of this. And I think in terms of that sort of automation, that works really well. Doesn't connect well to certain ecosystems to automate other things. But if all you want is a light to turn on when there's motion, it it gets the job done. So if you have a smart home question, um, you can send that our way using the hashtag AskSmartHomeShow on Twitter, and uh, we'll pick a question to include in each show. All right, normally I would see us out of here, but uh, Adam, why don't you do that since my lawn people have chosen this moment to show up? Sure. So where can people find you on the internet, Tom? Or uh, maybe also tell them where they can buy a Halo if they want or are interested in one of those. Yeah, you can uh, you can find the Halo on Amazon website you've probably heard of. <laughs> Just look up the Wayne Basement Guardian Halo, and yeah, you can find it there. You can also visit the WaynePumps.com website for some incredible content. All right, Richard, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Richard Gunther or over at the Digital Media Zone. And everybody can find me on Twitter at Adam Justice and everything we're doing as a company at ConnectSense.com. Or we talked about Grid Connect today. You can go there too, GridConnect.com. The Smart Home Show is part of Technology.fm, a collection of tech-focused podcasts, including Home Tech FM, The Food Tech Show, and of course, Richard's other show, Home On. Uh, You can find everything about this show at smarthome.fm, where we'll have show notes and details about every episode. We'll make sure to include some links to uh, the Wayne Halo product. And uh, if you have any feedback for us, you can send that at feedback at smarthome.fm. And of course, find us anywhere you get podcasts, whether that's in Apple Podcasts, Overcast, or anywhere else. And do us a favor, leave us a review or, you know, a rating and tell a friend or two about the show. Thanks for joining us. 